0: Hey everybody welcome to the podcast i just wrapped up an amazing workout i hope you guys are having a great day i am your host ben Bukulski. this is the Muscle Intelligence podcast today i want to dive into a bunch of really cool stuff that'll hopefully help you so as i said i just finished a workout i'd like to walk you through why i choose exercises exercise selection is a big piece of understanding how to ultimately get the most of your workout i think a lot of people go in to the gym maybe without a plan or maybe without an idea on how to choose exercises so we're going to dive into that today I also want to dive into this transformation that I mentioned to you, this thing that I'm going through for the next 12 weeks. love to have you join me. I'll walk you through a few details every week. And really, I've just started. So what does it look like to start for me? And what do I think you should do to start? Those are kind of the primary focuses of today's podcast. A few other golden tidbits of information there, like what's in my supplement cabinet, how am I starting this transformation as far as cardio, as far as supplementation, how I'm making the most of everything I need to do, that ultimately goes into Creating a transformation, but it's not just a transformation that is a one and done, right? The objective of this transformation for me is how do I get in the best shape of my life and then use that as a kickstart to maintain those habits for life? My target now is no longer getting in shape once and having a great picture to show and a $7 trophy and moving on with the day, I wanna be able to to sustain these things that I attain uh, over time. I wanna be able to sustain it forever. And my objective then is doing this in the most sustainable way possible. And that's what I wanna empower you with, a completely different paradigm in exercise. So most people in fitness, hey, let's get in shape once, let's do a contest. And then what happens after? Health falls out the window. People usually can't sleep well. They usually gain body fat. They're usually disconnected from their body incredibly because they've you know put themselves into a place of uh, lacking health and ultimately not enjoying the process right so taking this approach of what does it look like to create a sustainable transformation and i think that's possible i think it's absolutely reasonable for you to like it for you to enjoy it and for you to ultimately create high impact habits that you can carry on with you for the rest of your life so uh, without further ado and introduction i'm going to walk right into this stuff so way I frame this quote-unquote transformation, I'm going to do 12 weeks, and I really want to do it in the most sustainable way possible, as I say. So what does that look like to begin with? I'll tell you the biggest mistake everyone makes in, in transformations, and i talked about this at nauseam, is they don't consider their health. They just consider, uh, you know, I want to get in shape at all costs. And I, I get the value of that, but I don't think those two things need to be mutually exclusive. But I think getting in the best shape of your life should also mean uh, health, because ultimately health... In my definition of it, and again, this is something I just made up, but it's ultimately the ability to adapt to imposed demand, to adapt to imposed stress. So the more healthy you are, the faster your body can adapt to imposed demand, stress, any type of stress. So, you know, when you're young, you can do anything, boom, you bounce back the next day, you feel great, right? You go out and have, you go drinking, boom, you're back the next day. You go hard workout, boom, you're back the next day. As you get older, it gets slower, doesn't it? Everything starts to slow down. And that's, in my eyes, just some indication of. Diminishing health. So, if I'm subjected to uh, stress or a workout or anything, the faster my body bounces back, to me, that's an indication of uh, optimized health. So, I'm trying to consider that as maybe the foundation of a transformation. Would that make sense? My target in transformation is I want to be able to push my work capacity up as high as I can possibly take it, or at least as high as I can possibly sustain it, um, while still being able to recover from it. So, recovery needs to be this massive piece. So, recovery, again, you know, we'll get into that today, but uh, needs to encompass the, con- the conversation of around this 360 degree approach to health, right? So, all these things that go into health, which ultimately is the six pillars of a lean, healthy, and muscular body. And I'll go through that again today. So, um, hopefully, you guys can start to understand a big part of this conversation, whether it be for men or women, is optimizing your health as the foundation of everything you do going forward. So, if you're someone who wants to build muscle, well, doesn't it make sense that the faster we recover, the more muscle we build? Doesn't it make sense that maybe the less we have to recover because our body's really good at adapting to things, right? Uh, I think that's important. And uh, what you'll notice is if you're not healthy, let's say you get sick, someone who's really healthy, what happens? Bounce back, right? Someone who's not so healthy takes longer. So, first thing we're going to focus on in this transformation that I'm going to focus on, hopefully, you'll join me with, uh, with this journey is I wanna look at health. What does that ultimately look like? And obviously it's very subjective person to person, but here's a few things I don't want you to consider. Um, Aerobic fitness is massive, massive, massive. So uh, we just add in a daily morning walk. And the thing with a daily morning walk that I've been advocating for years now is consistency. So it doesn't have to be uh, record breaking. It doesn't have to be incredibly challenging, although we can make it challenging, Um, but it needs to be consistent. And I need you to focus on getting better at it not just doing it, it's not mindless. Like anything we do in the gym, it should be mindful. So we want to think about uh, how does it feel to walk? How does it feel to walk correctly? And I'll get into that if you like. Um, But ultimately we want to be present in the way we walk and not do anything mindlessly. So if I go into the gym, I don't wanna be mindless when I train, I wanna be absolutely mindful because the way I do anything is the way I do everything. So when it comes to walking, all that looks like is maybe you wear some type of minimalist shoe, um, and maybe you are forced to pay attention to the way your foot strikes the ground because you don't have a three inch pad under your heel. Gosh, it kind of hurts if I don't have this big pad. So now I have to be a little bit more aware when I walk. Maybe I'm a little bit softer in the way that I land. Maybe I roll through my foot rather than slapping my foot into the ground, that's just a very foundational way to start. Start walking a little more mindfully, start paying attention to the way your spine feels, the way your breath feels, the way your arm swings uh, are existing. So again, are they really small and and minimize arm swings? Are you able to make them a little bit more pronounced and incorporate a little bit of rotation in the spine? Start getting your body moving a little more freely so that ultimately it is, a little more mobile, a little more stable in all of these positions. And this is what this should ultimately be the progression of this foundational morning walk that everyone should be doing. Um, And my favorite time to do it is right around the time the sun goes up. So I get to watch the sunrise, at least on my way back. I try to time it. So I'm going 30 minutes out and on the way back, I'm walking into the sun. So uh, I'm seeing it on the horizon. I'm like seeing the beautiful colors in the sky, hopefully in many places. Uh, And that's a big, big piece of this recovery puzzle. So, aerobic fitness uh, on top of increasing blood flow, nutrient utilization, so many massive benefits that exist in walking on top of this reality that I've spoken about in the past, that walking is the most, second most foundational thing we do, um, functional thing we do ultimately, right? People talk about functional movement, Well, walking is certainly the second most functional thing we do just behind breathing. And if you don't walk well, if you can't walk well, how would you expect ever to squat or lunge or deadlift well, right, or even do any type of movement well, walking and breathing are the most functional things we do. And you need to do those anatomically, biomechanically, efficiently or effectively if you expect to to stack movements on top of that. So a big focus for me in the first few weeks is getting back into this uh, intentional walking and breath practice. And those can be together or those can be separate. And I tend to do both. I tend to walk and do a deep focused breath practice where I'm intentionally extending up my breath where I'm intentionally trying to get to six to 10 second inhalations, a slight pause and six to 10 second exhalations while I'm walking intensely. So as far as the walk uh, effort, I want it to be slightly more intense than you're comfortable with. So it's never just like, oh, I'm gonna kind of saunter down. The, it's not a Sunday stroll. It's not a stroll at the mall it's I'm walking slightly faster than I'm comfortable with. Maybe sometimes I'm thinking about like, if I'm walking across the road and there's a car coming, that kind of pace, right? Or if someone's chasing me, which is maybe not the best visual, but you guys get it. Someone, someone's trying to get me, I'm walking faster. I have somewhere to be, that type of walk. Uh, and as far as the breath practice, we wanna make sure it's diaphragmatic. You guys have heard this a thousand times, and I just wanna make sure that I touch it for anyone who hasn't heard this stuff before. Diaphragmatic, always through the nose, and that's kind of your governor, right? If you can't keep the breath through your nose, you're going too fast for you and progress your way up in intensity until you can maintain high levels of intensity exclusively on nasal breathing. Uh, once you get better at nasal breathing, what you find is your diaphragm tends to work a little better, moves down into your belly a little bit more effectively, and you can actually breathe um, significantly less per minute. Uh, and there's so many reasons why that's beneficial to start your day that way. Um, you know, ultimately benefits of the autonomic nervous system, heart rate variability, improving recovery, improving aerobic fitness. Um, which is ultimately the foundation for recovery in the entire body. So that's a big piece of the way I start this. So that's my aerobic piece. Now let's look at the diet piece. So I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in dieting is cutting their calories. I really do, and that sounds counterintuitive. doesn't. it? I think the biggest mistake people make in the first four weeks of of, um, dieting is cutting calories. I think the first four weeks of dieting should be focused on where the food is coming from. And being consistent with meal timing, maybe being a little more consistent with whole foods, less hyperpalatable foods. So we're really establishing a nice, clear, clean palate so that we're not seeking things that ultimately aren't great for us. Um, so that's my first three to four weeks. We'll see how it goes. But I'm just removing things that are hyper-palatable. So some things that I would have had in the past. Maybe I would uh, be adding something like a sweetener to my coffee, a stevia, or I would be having uh, flavored rice cakes, or I would be having uh, peanut butter, almond butter, things like that. I'm just gonna remove them. And, and uh, I haven't had peanut butter in a very long time, I'll be honest and share that. But um, things that I know are hyper palatable, and that can be things that are super crunchy, super salty, super sweet. Even if it's artificial flavors with no calories, I still think it's a very good idea to remove them. I know it's not always pleasant, but I promise your body will learn to appreciate the glory of a sweet potato and the amazing flavor of rice or rice cakes, or uh, even salt on your, your meat is wonderful. And you'll learn to appreciate the beauty of real foods and whether that be vegetables or fruits. Um, so for the first few weeks, we're just gonna choose whole foods. And, and as far as the amounts, my typical restriction and when one they put on myself, is you just eat protein, enough protein, get, make sure your protein intake is there. So for me, it's about 300 grams of protein a day. So I like to split that over four meals. So it puts me in around 75 grams of protein every meal. That's a lot of protein, but I make sure too that my body is not just eating it, but it's also absorbing it because I throw in my enzymes, my digestive enzymes. You guys know I'm an advocate of mass enzymes from Bioptimizers, uh, awesome product. Um, so make sure my body is not just consuming it, but also utilizing, absorbing and assimilating these uh, nutrients I'm putting in. So that's criteria. Number one, uh, criteria number two, vegetables, at every meal it doesn't have to be a huge amount, but something. Um, and I typically stay away from things that are high in oxalates. So I'll stay away from spinach. I'll stay away from Swiss chard. Um, usually stay away from almonds. Most of the time, sweet, sweet potatoes. I've minimized that I tend to feel better. There's a lot less joint pain. If you haven't heard my podcast with Sally Norton, I highly suggest you check it out on oxalates. She's brilliant. Oxalates don't bug everyone, but if you tend to get a little achy, a little joint pain, oxalates may be a thing for you. So uh, look at it. So the next thing I'm going to consider when I'm choosing my food dietarily is minimizing inflammation. I always see nutrition through the lens of an inflammation So uh, what am I consuming that's inflammatory to my body? Now, here's the crazy thing. Something that's inflammatory to me may not be inflammatory to you based on gut health, based on history, based on genetics. So I know I don't do well with dairy and gluten. I'm not dogmatic about saying that everyone should remove dairy and gluten. Some people, and I'll be honest, I think it's a very small percentage, can tolerate dairy and gluten. I still don't think it's a great idea. I still don't think it's an optimal food choice. It's not helping you in any way, right? um so if uh, you're someone who really wants to get in shape and do this for life considering removing dairy and gluten from your diet is a very good thing to do i think in general just as far as minimizing inflammatory markers i think that's massive. now there's other foods that are inflammatory to me that may not be inflammatory to you an example being chicken i feel terrible when i eat chicken and i think the reason my belief is the reason is maybe it's uh, i've consumed a lot as a bodybuilder over my 20 years as aspiring to be the largest human on the planet uh, I eat a lot of chicken, or I also believe that what the chicken eats matters. So, if if I'm eating chicken that's consuming soy and corn, uh, things that are maybe unnatural to it, it just doesn't feel good to me. I get I can eat about six ounces of chicken and I feel like I ate a uh, pumpkin, whereas I can eat sixteen ounces of beef and feel like uh, I'm ready to run a marathon. And that's an indication to me that maybe I shouldn't consume chicken all that often. Maybe but once a month I consume chicken, um, and uh, again. Yeah just because maybe it's convenient at that time. So choosing foods that are low inflammation for you. So just going through the typical list of the common culprits, Um, grains are very inflammatory for some people, dairy, soy, corn, vegetable oils. Those are all things we want to remove. Um, So that's important. Now the other side of that is eating things that are anti-inflammatory and trying to bring down inflammatory markers in your body. So your body can be more effective at digesting food, at utilizing the food that you eat. So some things that I add in very consistently, as you guys know, olive oil is a massive one, oleic acid in olive oil is incredibly beneficial for decreasing inflammation. I also consume curcumin, which I sometimes take in supplement form. I also take it in mustard form. I was gonna jokingly make my, um, name here on the screen today. I like mustard <laughs> because any bodybuilder that you meet uh, most will always have, or at least people who diet hard, uh, will have developed uh, a, a relationship with mustard, whether good or bad, because it's calorie-free and usually very healthy. So I get one from Whole Foods that is um, got apple cider vinegar rather than white vinegar. And again, I don't think it's that much of a difference, but I like it. I think it's great. And uh, I use it for anti-inflammatory reasons and because it tastes good. Uh, another think I'm going to add in for anti-inflammatory reasons It's going to be fish. I eat quite a bit of fish when I'm prepping for a contest, not because there's anything miraculous about thing in my skin, but because it decreases inflammation, right? So if I'm eating um, some wild-caught Alaskan salmon or some wild-caught cod or uh, occasionally I have canned salmon from a uh, wild plant, maybe it's called. Um, and two cans of that, and I'm ready to go. And I think getting omega-3s in at a high level is important, and if you're not eating a lot of fish, or if you don't have access to high quality fish, you can also always check out uh, wildalaskanseafoodbox.com. I think my code probably still works. They're no longer uh, sponsoring the podcast, but they are, uh, I think the code still works. I think the code was just Ben, wildalaskanseafoodbox.com slash Ben. I still get my seafood from them, Um, fantastic company. So uh, check it out. You can also get them at uh, Billings Seafood. So great products. So I will consume fish uh, one to two times a day, I would say. So I'm eating four meat meals a day now. So I went, you guys know, I went from one meal for quite a long time to two. And now I'm at four. Um, so meal one of the day is always um, typically beef. And I get all my beef from Belcampo. Uh, because I think it's just the best quality. I mean, I talked to Anya, who's the owner, and it's just uh, knowing how, the detail they go into to feed their animals and rotate their crops. And I just appreciate that so much. And it's slightly more expensive, there's no doubt, but it's uh, extremely, extremely high quality. You can literally taste the difference. It tastes like meat that is just nourishing rather than like acidifying, if that makes any sense. And uh, again, I don't know if we have a code there, maybe pack 10 actually. Again, this isn't meant to be it's throwing a bunch of codes at you, but if you're interested, um, great, great company. And again, no affiliation, they just, um, they're awesome. So uh, they don't pay for this. I just uh, throw the code out because I like it. Um, what else am I doing dietarily? So supplements, I guess that's important. I've got like 10 supplements that I consume on a consistent basis. And I think you should too, as far as being the uh, foundations of human health. Now everyone goes, I have to take these 10 supplements every day forever. No, I don't think you should take anything every day forever, but these are the, the ones that kind of never leave my house. I always have a bottle of these things in my house. There's a few others that I'll put on, but, um, so vitamin B is important, particularly for me. I have a riboflavin genetic deficiency. So I have to make sure I get enough riboflavin. Uh, vitamin C I think is always is useful and you can add N-acetylcysteine in there as well. And I think that's not on my list, but I think N-acetylcysteine is amazing for um, immune support. So I think if you're someone who's uh, compromised or curious about maintaining optimization of, of immunity, in uh, acetylcysteine has amazing research behind it. Uh, in fact, that exceeds the benefit of the flu vaccine. I've seen quite a bit of research on it. It's interesting. Uh, vitamin D, you guys know, is, is always in the house, and I take about 10,000 I use a day. Transparently, I don't remember every day, but I take at least four or five days a week. Um, Magnesium, I'm a massive uh, magnesium consumer and I think everyone, literally every human should be, especially if you're either stressed or exercising. Magnesium tends to get burned through uh, muscle contraction. So uh, taking a magnesium, and I take a multi-source magnesium. So I got about seven or eight different sources. So I'll typically get my magnesium from Bioptimizers again. They've got one called Mag Breakthrough, um, which is awesome. I said fish oil, Um, collagen's a huge one. If you eat a lot of muscle meat, Collagen's a big one, so taking collagen protein or glycine at very least, the amino acid glycine and proline are extremely important for optimizing health. A um, Couple more things, we do electrolytes every day because bringing down inflammation, helping your body uh, make sure you have enough minerals. Uh, essential aminos and choline. Choline is a, a imperative for your brain. And obviously you guys know I kind of look at life through the lens of optimizing my brain. So if that means there's things I can take to support brain health, support my brain's ability to work at a higher level for a longer period of time, I'm gonna take it. And choline is imperative on that list. And so is B vitamins, actually. There's a bunch of other herbs you can stack on there that are very, very useful. Um, And again, I mentioned enzymes earlier uh, being one thing that I take every day because I do consume large amounts of protein and most people do. And like, if you're someone looking to optimize their body, you probably should be consuming a lot of protein. And making sure your body's absorbing breaking down and assimilating that protein is important and again that's mass enzymes. so i said with respect to this um, transformation i want to give you guys a little bit of info about how i'm training right now and how many you should train right now so the big thing in uh, transformation well the big thing everyone should be focusing on before anything anything else matters before programming matters before intensity even matters specificity of movement if your mobility stinks, I can tell you with 1,000% certainty, you don't build muscle very well, um, or at least not as well as you could be. And people think, you know, I'm a big meathead and I don't need to build, I don't need to do mobility training. I think it's the biggest mistake that people make. And I was honestly blessed. I'll be completely transparent. My mobility when I was a child was spectacular, which I now see in my children. Um, and I uh, to be honest, like I didn't do a lot of mobility stuff really in my career, but i was still incredibly mobile. So the splits for me, for me were always very easy. Uh, for most of my life, I could put my leg behind my head. Um, like my hip mobility was tremendous. So what does that say about my ability to build my legs? Well, guess what? That was a big, big piece. Um, you know, the fact that my hips were super mobile most of the time and when they, they weren't mobile, guess what happened? I started to lose my ability to contract. My muscle building capacity went down. So if you're not somebody who's already training mobility, I would suggest you do it. Here's the three-part framing of, of exercise that everyone should consider adopting. There should be this trilogy or this balance among this trilogy of, of types of training. So there should be one day, or at least some integration of mobility and stability, always. There should be one some integration of aerobic and anaerobic training, always. And there should be some integration of muscle building and strength training. And that's the three-part trilogy. And the, the dynamic balance of how you approach those different person to person, right? So if I want to build a ton of muscle, well, I probably do more, mo- more hypertrophy training than I do mobility work, or more hypertrophy training than I do metabolic training. But if I lose some fat, maybe I do more of the metabolic stuff and more of the, st- the stability stuff. So this is always just kind of undulating dynamic process of what does it look like to um, you know balance these three stimuli? So for me personally right now, actually not right now, because it's been kind of slow as far as my ability to yoga lately, but normally it's um, yoga and cardio one day and that cardio could be walking or riding my bike or something, usually not inside. Uh, and the next day is training and I just alternate back and forth like that. And then transparently I haven't done yoga in a long time because the places are all closed, or are at half capacity and it's not all that fun to wear a mask while you're walking into the yoga place. I digress. Um, so those are important. So getting a little bit deeper into this, um, transformation thing. Here's one thing that I think you should all lean in on. When it comes to your diet, if you want to transform, now this may sound counterintuitive to what I've typically told you. I suggest highly that you become neurotic about what you eat. And now that doesn't mean, uh, I I wanna get mad at me for that, but that doesn't mean you have to obsess and you have to uh, stress. But I think you should have 100% commitment or nothing. So as soon as you start to allow 1% divergence, you're going to fail. You're setting yourself up for failure. As soon as you start letting the rationalizations creep in, like, it's not really a big deal if I just do this once. It's not really a big deal if I have this one glass of alcohol or this one chocolate bar, or protein bar, or hell that's not supposed to be in your diet. Don't do that. Commit to 12 weeks of excellence, and uh, it'll be worth it in the end. And, again, it'll be so much easier if you commit to 100%, I promise. And that sounds counterintuitive. Commit to 100% um, commitment to your plan, whatever that plan looks like. So um, my suggestion is, is remove those hyperpalatable foods, remove alcohol, remove things that are pro-inflammatory, 12 weeks, we can do this, together. Um, oh, I said I was gonna talk about exercise selection. So the first, and I briefly touched on this, but the first and most important piece of exercise selection is uh, can you get into the range of motion if you can't get into the range of motion you certainly can't train the muscle correctly that would make logical sense right so a muscle has its full contractile range if you can't take a muscle through its full contractile range because they're quote-unquote tight well then you can't train a muscle and you're never going to build it so this is how people start getting even worse um, discrepancies from strong and weak body parts because they just train in the range that they have and they're they're I'm really strong in this one range. We have people who can bench press, you know, 500 pounds, but can't put on their seatbelt or can't scratch their nose kind of thing, or, you know, can't comb their hair. It's a big issue. So that's where injuries happen. That's where tears happen. So my suggestion is mobility becomes a huge part of your training. Um, so when we're selecting exercises, the first question to ask is, what am I capable of doing what, with, through a full range with great form? That needs to be a big piece. I think most people do exercises uh, one incorrectly, two way too many. How many exercises? One of the more questions I get all the time is Ben, how many exercises for you know insert body part chest? Answer, the ones you do well, right? And the one or two that you do well in most instances, and most people try to do six and they all suck, and there's no benefit to those, right? So the objective is we do one or two that you do really well, maybe three at most, and do them really 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 well. Do more sets. And then slowly, synergistically build the skill set of the other ones. So then, okay, how do I choose exercises that I do well? How do I know? Well, what do you feel? If you feel it well, that's sometimes a good indication. Not always, but sometimes. Then watch some of the videos we put out and say like, hey, am I doing this correctly for my body? This is a big piece that I wanna pass on to you guys. training doesn't just exist for me. You should certainly not train the way I train. You should train the way your body needs to train. The, f- the principles are the same. The way that we train, you know, ultimately you call it training with intelligence is uh, principally accurate, irrefutably accurate, right? But then you have this these biomechanical realities that everyone's built differently. Someone who's 160 pounds is very different than someone who's 260 pounds, both from a purely mass perspective, but also f- often from a structural perspective. Lever lengths are different, limb lengths, clavicle lengths, hip structure, it's all different. You got to learn to choose exercises that work for you. And this is a big part of my mission is passing these things on to you guys so you understand, like, hey, I'm not doing this correctly for my body just because I watch some meathead on YouTube do this and he's got a huge chest or huge legs. It's not mean it's going to work for me. And so spend some time. learning to direct tension. I call it quality of movement or precision of movement because your energy expenditure is gonna be exponentially better, more effective, and the muscle will be taxed more. So let's think of it like signal to noise ratio, right? If I just do a bunch of stuff, I cause all this systemic inflammation, but maybe I don't burn as many calories locally. Maybe I don't have the same amount of signal at the level of the muscle and I'm ultimately just creating a whole bunch of noise, this inflammatory stressful noise that may not be giving me the actual signal that I want. And My body's got to manage all that stress and all that inflammation before it can ever get to ultimately recovering and and, uh, rebuilding this muscle. So think about that, guys, it's important. So that should be the foundation of everything. Now, as far as how to choose exercises, you have to look, you have to watch what your body's doing. And this is challenging, because most of us now go to the gym and wear hoodies, long pants, you can't see anything. It's very, very challenging. But um, first, line up the force. So if I have a resistance, that's uh, this vertical resistance, like a dumbbell or a barbell, I need to make sure that the muscle I'm trying to train is actually lined up appropriately relative to that resistance. That's foundationally imperative. So if you're trying to train a particular part of the pec or a particular part of the lat, you have to make sure the muscle you're training is actually the thing doing work. And I would say 90% of the time it's not. Um, people just don't understand and it's not complex in any way. I know I don't explain all that well on the on podcast, but it's incredibly easy to see if you just open your eyes and look. And this is why we have classes around the world teaching people, uh, you know, these intelligent training principles and people come to these classes and we just did one a couple of weeks ago and uh, they're like, man, this is the best experience of my life. It's literally changed my life. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's easy, right? It's simple. It's they're like, man, why didn't anybody else teach me this stuff when I was a child or, you know, in the last 20 years? Because nobody gets it. And this is what I hope to impart with you with is this understanding that really it's not complex. It's just not common that people understand this stuff. People just don't think about it. Or maybe you could argue people just don't think. They just mindlessly go about life. And I think that's a huge obstacle for us in, in people trying to ultimately uh, be thrive, thrive, be successful, be happy, be mindful, right? This mindful piece is such a big imperative aspect of thriving isn't it so i want to learn to be mindful first then i can learn to be grateful and ultimately present in love those are the things that are imperative to our progress as human beings and to our thriving as human beings hopefully every one of you guys listening to this podcast is aspiring to that like you want to be happy right you don't just want to be rich you don't just want to be muscular and be happy i would guess most people would say yes And and they created this association and say, hey, when I become muscular, I'll be happy. Or when I become rich, I'll be happy. Not true. Completely bullshit. Take it from me. Doesn't make sense. You have to be happy now. You have to train your brain. And again, it is training, it's like climbing a mountain. You're not going to get there overnight. Um, You're going to have to train your brain to first be present so you can make conscious decisions. It's a big thing in transforming your body and your mind and your life. You got to be present. Am I mindful of the things I'm doing? Am I conscious of the things I'm doing? Or am I just kind of going about my day mindlessly meandering about, right? Like the 99% of zombies that exist in this world. That's not a shot of people, but ultimately this is reality. We don't think, right? And that is a big part of the mission of my business is to create a mindful approach to muscle building. Training with intelligence is about being mindful of the things you do. So what does that feel like in the gym? Well, the first thing I'm gonna do is instead of just mindlessly moving weight, I'm gonna pick up a weight and I'm going to go, where do I feel this? How does it feel in my body? Do I feel strong? Do I feel weak? Where do I feel strong? Where do I feel weak? Which is very different, right? Our body can feel strong in certain places and weak in other places. And maybe I'm gonna close my eyes and pay attention to that feeling a lot more. Okay, well, if I start moving this weight, what, what happens? What do I feel? Am I feeling the muscle I'm actually trying to train? If not, there's a problem, we're doing it wrong right so the ability to not move your body so this idea of creating systemic stability full body stability is massive you have to be able to not move your body in order to move the rest of it right so uh, or move the isolated piece so if i'm trying to train my bicep i need to make sure that my entire body isn't moving because it's taking away from the opportunity that i'm trying to exploit ultimately challenging my bicep So you've got to pay attention. So instead of mindlessly doing things you've always done, guys, if you want to create a new physique, if you want to create a new life, you got to pay attention. you got to be mindful. And I think exercise is this amazing opportunity that everyone certainly listening to this podcast is uh, able to capitalize on. So the next time you go in the gym, I want you to take a breath. I want you to do whatever exercise you're doing. And go so slow that you can tell me at every inch of every rep what's moving what's contracting, what's being challenged, where the tension is, where where the stretch is, where the contraction is, all of those variables or any of those variables, right? Feel, learn to feel and connect with your body. If you do that, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna start to feel what's moving that shouldn't be. So I'm gonna give you an example. I'm doing a bicep curl and all of a sudden my shoulder comes up, I'm doing a tricep push down, all of a sudden my shoulder comes up. I'm doing a, um, I don't know, uh, squat and all of a sudden my lower back rounds or I bounce into the bottom of a rep. You're gonna start paying attention to the little minutia of things that shouldn't be moving that is, or my hips are going to start to move, or you know, I'm gonna do something that just doesn't, or my spine is going to flex and extend. Those are things that are not directly contributing in a positive way to your end result. Right? This is the perfect uh, metaphor for life is the time you pick up that the you're you know I'm doing something all of a sudden I start scrolling through social media. It's just a distraction. That's exactly what those little intricate things are in exercise. They're just distractions taking away from your ultimate end result, taking away from your productivity. So guess what? Stop. It doesn't help. It's not useful to lift more weight. I promise you, lifting more weight is not the solution. Lifting as much weight as you possibly can with perfect form is always the answer. So uh, when, we see, when we look at exercise selection, we go, okay, what can my body first do? Then where does this exercise break? I mean, what is, what, why does it stop? And then how can I add in a synergistic exercise to uh, train the thing that stopped? So an example being if I'm doing a squat and my lower back starts to hurt or if I'm doing a squat and my aerobic fitness starts to get get tired or maybe my lactic acid starts to burn or if I'm doing a leg curl, my butt starts coming up. All those things are examples of movement that's happening that shouldn't be there. It should not happen. If we're trying to do an exercise, we're trying to train a small number of muscles and those extraneous movements are not contributing in a positive way. So I have to look at then isolating that one part of the puzzle and going, how do I make this piece stronger in isolation so it no longer becomes a limiting factor in that exercise? It no longer becomes a thing that breaks. It's like this unraveling of the onion. So if if I'm doing a line leg curl, and my hips come up, well, that's probably a pretty good indication that your abs are weak and your glutes are probably weak and not able to support that position. Maybe the pelvic floor, Maybe the hamstrings uh, all those things could be contributing to that so i need to train those things correctly in isolation in the range of motion i'm able to control with an appropriate weight that i'm able to control with those muscles right it's not just me going and doing more of an exercise wrong right doing more and more of something incorrect is not going to get you where you want to go i promise it's not going to get you where i want to go you have to learn to do things correctly right if i want to go from here to point x down the road running faster and faster going in the wrong direction doesn't make a lot of sense so I need to make sure that I'm first pointing in the right direction, to using the right muscles in the right sequence, and then, then, and only then does it make sense. So uh, exercise selection again encompasses that. I think that's the the missing piece. So what can I do? And then where does this exercise break? And then if you can learn to look at where an exercise breaks, and, and again, that's a l- maybe needs more a, a clarification explanation. But if something's moving that shouldn't be, ultimately, that's breaking, right? So I look at it and say, well, okay, what can I do then to make that stronger? Most of you, I guarantee it's gonna be something that happens at your trunk and spine, your shoulder, girdle and scapula or your pelvis. That's usually where, or or sometimes it's the ankle. And these are what we call the four hubs of stability, right? So the foot and ankle, the hip and pelvis, the trunk and spine and the shoulder girdle and scapula. right? So those are your um, hubs of stability. And if you can't stabilize those things, you can't build muscle. So that would be where I would suggest you guys start playing. And this is where the integration of stability and mobility comes in. And is a big, big piece of this stuff. So um, hopefully, guys, that helps. I know I may maybe rambling a little bit, but this is useful for you to start to understand. Um, so one thing I want to talk about when it comes to this transformation, I think is important for you to succeed and not be stressed, because I think a lot of you guys stress. Um, the first and most important thing, when I began decided to begin like, hey, yeah, I'm gonna get myself in better shape because I want to be in great shape. I want to do some photo shoots. Um, I got some really interesting things happening that I'll share with you guys in the coming weeks. My intention is to do a podcast, short version, not quite this long each week and just telling you what I'm changing. So you guys can come along with the journey, come along on the journey with me. Uh, and if you like, come to the Olympia. Maybe at the Olympia we're doing photos at the Olympia with some of the best photographers in the world. Um, this is one of the most important pieces that I think each of you should explore before you do this. What are your values? So, uh, Dr. John D. Martini's been a guest on the show in the past, and uh, he gets into the, his value determinants. I think everyone should do that. So, there's, there's more or less. I mean, for the topic of conversation today, I'm going to tell you four of my top ones and why. Why it's important to you. So, my top values, in maybe no particular order, but family is huge. Integrity is huge. Growth, and that could be f- uh, financial and uh, intellectual. Uh, health and fitness, those are kind of my four, you know, muscle that incorporates in there. Those are kind of my four most important um, values. Now, those are, again, maybe those are in order, maybe, um, and that's a dynamic order, but when I'm making decisions on my transformation, I don't want to compromise those values. So I don't want to do things that puts my family at a lower order of importance. I don't want to do things that put my finances at a lower order of importance. I still have to look at those things and go, okay, well, how important are they to me which ones are at the top of the list? Because if I prioritize transformation and I don't take care of those other things that I value, guess what happens? Stress, right? Cause un- values exist at an unconscious level. These are things that I value most in my life. And if I don't pay attention to them, I get stressed. And I don't want to be stressed. So I'm only going to to commit to this transformation to the level that it doesn't add massive amounts of stress to my body or or to my life. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it. That just means you have to realize that if you're going to miss a meal because you're at your child's sporting event, it's okay. You've made that conscious decision to say my family is more important. If you're going to miss a workout because it's a matter of you're going to lose your job or you're going to make a bunch of money, you gotta know where that falls on your list of priorities of values. So that's how I approach it. And like, it, it's not—it doesn't mean that I'm gonna sacrifice the end result. It just means that I'm gonna sacrifice that moment and say I'm gonna consciously choose this value over this value because I know that's my highest value. So uh, when I was competing in bodybuilding, there was no higher value, right? I was the highest value. My ego and being the best built bodybuilder was the highest value. So nothing superseded that. And now that I'm retired, I've established this reality. Of health and fitness, to be honest, goes to number four, at least. Right? Four is a, it's dynamic; it might be up, might be down. But it's about number four. So, anytime my family, my integrity, and my growth—financial and, and intellectual—exist uh, in my life, they exist higher than my fitness right now. Again, that, that's dynamic; that changes. That doesn't mean I don't value my fitness. It doesn't mean I don't train hard. It doesn't mean I don't do my cardio. That just means when it comes down to making that decision, that day, that, that, that split second decision where I go, I got to make money or I'm going to train or i got going to spend time with my kids or I'm going to train, right? 99 times out of hundred, I'm going to choose the ones that are higher value. Again, it's, it's a dynamic process. You can always uh, adjust. Um, but I think you guys should be aware of that. Like what are the things, the values guiding your decision-making processes? It's important. So uh, I want to know what you value and maybe make a list and if you know, if you want some help, go to drdmartini.com and he's got his 13 value determined questions, uh, absolutely worth doing. Guys, today's podcast is brought to you by masszymes.com. You can get amazing enzymes, uh, mag breakthrough, which I use every day. We've got a whole bunch of other uh, great enzymes uh, great products so they got gluten guardian which is awesome if you, eat, if you eat gluten it's a good thing to have on hand to have it all the time mass zymes is their digestive enzyme the proteolytic digestive enzyme they take all the time and um, my suggestion with that is go to the video go to the website watch the video they literally just sprinkle some enzymes into uh a glass with some meat in it, and you just watch the meat dissolve. It's pretty darn cool. Show you how much active proteolytic enzymes are in there. And so one of the biggest issues in um, human health is undigested food undigested protein can cause havoc in the body, can drive up inflammation, can wreak havoc on the joints. So you guys also heard me say before, I take often my mass enzymes between meals or sometimes uh, in the morning. So I'm looking to help break down those larger protein molecules to help eliminate joint pain. It's probably my favorite first line of defense also against joint pain for someone who has elbow pain, knee pain, proteolytic enzymes and high dosages typically uh, away from meals this is very useful for helping your body break down these uh, aberrant proteins. So yeah, something to think about, something to explore. You guys can head over to buyoptimizers.com and use the code MUSCLE, MUSCLE10 also one zero for 10% off. And you can also get, like I say, on Mag Breakthrough, which is uh, an incredible magnesium product, which you'll feel right away to improve your focus, your ability to sleep, your ability to calm down. Absolutely love it. It's important in the body's stress response as well. Um, So I know a lot of our population doesn't sleep very well because we're high achievers, we're anxious sometimes, or we're busy. Um, So for me, about a thousand milligrams, that's a high dose, one to two times a day, Every day uh, helps my body always maintain a really relaxed feel. loves allows, allows my muscles to feel more supple so my blood flows better. Super, super important. So, guys, if you are uh, listening to the show and you want to optimize your body and your mind and your sleep, head over to bioptimizers.com/muscle10, bioptimizers.com slash muscle10, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com, bioptimizers.com slash muscle10. But further ado from me. You guys are amazing. I'm super grateful for you being here. Um, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure. It continues to be a pleasure and I have lots of amazing stuff coming up for you soon. I've been working on a ton of stuff. You guys know I mentioned last time I'm working on a personal training certification. I'm working, I've am working. i just finished the first round of the mentorship and it was amazing success and I had such a great time. So anyone listening who was on the mentorship, guys, thank you. Um, uh, you guys are amazing. It was absolutely incredible to work with you. Uh, I'm also working on my physical transformation and one more thing I'm not going to tell you about just yet, but I will if you come back next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. I'm Picos for the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you get to hear all of this transformation journey over the next few weeks and months. Have an amazing day. Live your greatest life in the body. Love you. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode.